0: Welcome back to 21 Steps, an audiobook podcast by M.A. Box. Chapter 17 Derek thought he was prepared for the choice that he had made. However, sitting in the cold room waiting for the officer to come and get him and take him to jail, Derek thought maybe he would have been better off not saying anything at all. He knew, though, there would be no going back. He had already admitted. Even if he could somehow get out of it, nobody would believe him and his entire reputation would still be tarnished. Even though it was less than 30 minutes before the officer arrived, it seemed to Derek like it had taken days. He was scared to move forward, but also anticipating the next step in the process. A light knock came at the metal door as it slid open. A short police officer with wide shoulders walked into the room. Are you Derek Sterling? the officer asked. Derek responded that he was. The officer read Derek the Miranda warning again. Derek assumed that must also be for company policy, but then followed it by... I really don't want to have to make any documentation of any statements that you make, so if you can just hold them for a later time, that would really help me out. Derek thought that the officer seemed a little grumpy, or maybe it was cocky. Either way, he didn't think that he and this officer would have gotten along. Derek guessed that maybe the officer suffered from a small man complex, so through his bad attitude, he was making up for something else. Derek knew it was a bad idea to point that out, so he just responded to whatever the officer asked him to do, exactly as he was asked. The officer started by patting Derek down, asking if he had anything on him. Derek knew, prior to leaving the house, that this was going to happen, so he made sure that he had no personal belongings in his pocket, and definitely nothing that would cause him any problems. When he had finished searching, the officer then put handcuffs on him. They made a clicking sound as he tightened them, and Derek didn't think that he would ever forget the sounds. The handcuffs were really tight and uncomfortable, but Derek knew the officer wouldn't care if he said anything, so he decided just to deal with the pain. The officer then put on shackles, or whatever what appeared to be handcuffs, on his ankles, and then hooked them in the back to his handcuffs. He grabbed him by the left arm and walked him out of the station and put him in the back seat of his cop car. Derek rode the entire way in silence, listening to a country station that the officer had playing lightly in the background and hearing the sounds of the department coming loudly over the walkie. It seemed like it took hours to drive the thirty minutes to the jail. But it gave Derek a lot of time to emotionally prepare for what was about to take place. His kids were probably getting out of bed about now, and his parents had probably already read the note. He wondered what they were thinking. He wanted to go back and hug his children again, but he knew that wouldn't be happening any time soon. The process at the jail took a couple of hours, and Derek felt really out of place. The corrections officers were pleasant, but definitely not polite or happy. It wasn't until Derek was dressed in the blue jumpsuit that they required him to wear and the door to the cell he was going to be staying in closed that he realized the magnitude of his decision. He looked around his cell realizing he had no window to the outside world, and that he would be hearing the clanging of the door every day for the foreseeable future. He had a roommate in the bed above him that was snoring loudly, and Derek wondered how he was ever going to be able to sleep. He sat down on the edge of the bed and stared at the cement wall in front of him. He lay down, closed his eyes, and thought to himself that the decision was made and that he was done. The next days moved by his routine. He didn't make any friends, but didn't think he made any enemies either, which was important. He was lucky because he had the practice with being invisible. He wasn't too small that people wanted to mess with him, but he wasn't too big to really be noticed either. It worked out well for him. He had talked to his father one time on the phone so far, and it had been the hardest conversation of his life. His father had told him how disappointed he was in Derek and the decisions that he had made, but he also informed him that they would be working to obtain custody of the children and that they would be well taken care of. Derek wondered if his father had been in his shoes, if he maybe would have made the same decision. He knew that his father would never understand because he didn't know what Derek went through every day, and he didn't know the thoughts that led up to this decision. Knowing that his kids were safe gave Derek some comfort, and he had received a picture of the boys from his father, but there was no letter included in the envelope. He didn't blame him, though. He didn't know how he would react if one of his sons killed their wife and then left them one night to live with him. He would probably feel the same way his father did, so he didn't try to question why. Derek had received no visitors, but had received numerous letters of hate mail from friends and family of Leslie. They often asked how he could do such a thing, called him a monster and told him the children were better off without him. He never responded, but if he could, he thought maybe he would just say, You are right. You have no idea how right you are. He remembered the nights that had brought him where he really did feel like a monster, and it was because he thought his children would be better off that he was even in his cell today. Derek was anxious about his pretrial hearing that would take place the next day. He was not looking forward to being in the public and knew that he would be ridiculed for his decisions, and he was afraid at what might be said. He also knew that he would be appointed an attorney and that he would finally have someone to turn to. He stayed awake all night in anticipation of the hearing the next day. He knew that he would be dressed in his gel uniform and wouldn't be able to change into anything nice, not that anyone would bring him anything, but he knew that wearing these clothes already made you look guilty, and to the public, seeing someone on television in a jumpsuit makes them look evil and scary, too. He didn't want to look that way, but he knew that he had no choice. The next morning, right after breakfast, he was taken down to be transported to court. He was hooked into a line of other inmates who were all going to court for their individual crimes. He looked around at the group and realized that they looked like pretty normal people. He couldn't see one of them that looked like a murderer, but then again, he probably didn't look like one either. The bus pulled up with inmates in front of the courthouse. The parking lot and front steps were filled with reporters, lights, and cameras. Derek had no idea that they were all there for him and for his case. He had no idea what a stir he had caused and how much media attention his case had received. Across the road, there was a large group of people holding signs that all referred to sending Derek to death row, and he didn't like that idea very much. The other inmates on the bus started asking who Derek was, but he just ignored them, pretending that he couldn't hear them. As they walked off the bus, the crowd grew louder, shouting profanities and calling him a murderer. He was terrified and ashamed at the same time, and he couldn't decide which emotion to show. Police officers were there in full force, making sure to keep the line of people away from the inmates so they could enter into the courthouse safely. Just as Derek put his right foot onto the first concrete step, looking down to avoid the crowd, One member of the crowd spit at him, leaving a wet, sticky ball on the side of his cheek. Derek was shocked by the saliva dripping down his cheek, but more shocked that he was actually being spit on. His first thought was, nice shot, knowing full well he would never be able to land a target like that. But then, being the recipient, his thoughts quickly turned to frustration. He looked up into the crowd and saw the angry, desperate eyes of people who hated him. He couldn't identify which one of the angry crowd had done it, but realized that any one of them were capable. He wiped the spit from his cheek and continued to walk into the building, keeping his head down in shame. The correctional officers that escorted them to the court took the inmates through a back hall to avoid most of the crowd. The inmates were taken into a small room where they would wait until they were called to be seen by the judge. Derek again felt like he was losing track of time while he waited for his turn to go. He felt so many pieces of this process seemed to take an eternity, and he had not prepared himself for the downtime. Although he had gotten pretty good at not having to be entertained in prison, times like this his thoughts ran wild and he attacked himself mentally for his life choices. When his name was finally called and he was escorted into the courtroom, his heart dropped as he looked out across the crowd to see that his father, with a face full of disappointment, and his stepmother, with her eyes full of tears, were sitting in the second row. It was even worse as he scanned the room to see the angry faces of Leslie's parents and family. Derek ducked his head, hoping to avoid the demeaning eyes of the people in the crowd. The room was so quiet that the only sound he heard were his footsteps on the wood floor. He could feel the pressing stares of the people in the crowd that he knew would be hoping for revenge. They would want justice, but they probably didn't know what that really meant. Derek looked just like a picture that you would see in a magazine of a criminal hoping to receive justice from the courts. His blue jail uniform hung loosely over his obviously undernourished body. His hair was in shambles and he had on a light dusting of hair along his chin that made him appear dirty from a distance. There were whispers in the back of the room saying, You can see it in his eyes, they look so creepy. What a monster, and I hope he gets the worst. These people before today probably would have passed Derek on the road and not even noticed that he existed. But today, he was built up to be some evil person, glorified by the media to the point that they all came to watch the show. Some of the people didn't even know him or Leslie, but came just to say they saw the monster. Derek walked to the podium in front of the room and looked up at the judge. The judge was an older man with gray hair around the edges, but balding on the top. When the light hit just right, you could see the small gray hairs also coming out of his ears. He had a large stature, or maybe it just seemed that way from where Derek was standing. He was wearing a black robe and glasses with small silver frames. He had a plaque on the stand that read, Honorable Judge E. Brown. The judge's voices were loud over the quiet crowd, and Derek listened as he stated the case number and charges against him. The sound of Derek's name and the word murder rang loudly in his ears. He couldn't believe that he was really standing here, having those charges read to him. He wanted to cry out that he was sorry. He wanted to blame the military and his time in Iraq, but he just stayed silent and tried to concentrate on what the judge was asking him. The judge asked Derek if he wanted a lawyer at this time, and saying that if he couldn't afford one, they would provide one. Derek said that he could not afford one, but would like them to provide him with one. When he spoke, his voice sounded like it was coming from someplace else and was not his own. It was full of fear and cracked when he responded. The large man dressed in a police-style uniform, maybe a police officer, but Derek wasn't sure, had been standing in the corner, but he moved on command to pick up a piece of paper. He walked the paper over to Derek and asked that he sign it, requesting an attorney. Derek picked up the pen and tried to hold it straight, but his hands felt very clammy and clumsy. He forced a scribble down at the bottom of the page and looked up again at the judge. The judge then gave him a date that he would be required to come back again in the future with his attorney. He released Derek from the courtroom and moved quickly on to the next case. Derek was escorted out of the room. He kept his head down, hoping to avoid looking at anyone in the crowd. He was ashamed of the situation that they were seeing him here in uniform and handcuffs. He held his breath out of anxiety until he was finally behind the door in the hallway where he let go and fell clumsily against the wall. He hadn't expected that it would be so hard to have to stand up in front of his family and Leslie's family in this kind of situation. He wished he could go back in time and change things. He wished he could change a lot of things. The next day, Derek received a visit from his new attorney, Jason Hampton, a public defender with experience and ties to helping those in the military who would be representing him on his case. Jason was a young man with brown hair that parted on one side. Although he was probably very professional, Derek couldn't imagine him being the most respected public defender out there. He was very intelligent, though. Derek could tell by the way his black-framed glasses sat on his nose. Jason was very nice to Derek and tried to make him feel comfortable. Derek could tell that he was trying to figure out if Derek had actually done it and why. Maybe Jason thought it would help him defend Derek better if he knew the reasons. Either way, though, he didn't specifically ask. Derek assumed that if he knew one way or another... It would change how he was represented, or the information that he could use in court. Jason told him that he had read many of the documents that the police already had, but that they were going to have to do some extensive interviews, and that based on the information he had so far, he would have to be analyzed by a psychologist as well. Jason seemed to be very much in a hurry, and kept bouncing his knee while he was talking. It was a little distracting to Derek, but he was thankful for the help, so he tried to look past it. Jason told him that he would be back the next day just after breakfast to start the interview and that he would probably bring a tape recorder along to make sure that he got everything, just in case he needed it in the future. He asked Derek if that would work for him. Derek wanted to laugh a little and say, well, my days are pretty busy, I'll have to check my calendar. But instead he just said, okay. He couldn't read the attorney yet and didn't know if humor would work to his advantage or not. He definitely didn't want to come across as the unemotional murderer. Jason left, and although Derek wasn't looking forward to the upcoming days of interviews, he was hopeful that after all of this was done, he would get the help that he needed. He was also looking forward to seeing Jason again. He was the first person that actually talked to Derek in the last couple of weeks, and it felt good to have a conversation, even if it was about him and the reasons why he was in jail. After being escorted back to his cell and hearing the familiar click of the door, Derek fell asleep with the reassurance that he finally had someone on his side to help make sure he was on the right path. Derek was more concerned about getting help than he was about having to spend the next few years behind bars. He knew that shouldn't be a concern for someone in his position. Help for things like that should be able to happen without being behind bars. But Derek had tried and never was able to get the help that he needed. Looking around his cell now, he felt the walls moving in. It was hard for him to breathe. He wondered if this was worth the help that he was going to get, or was this going to make things worse? He hadn't thought of that before now, and the thought scared him to death. Would he be worse when he got out? He hoped not. He hoped that the next few years of sacrifice would be worth it, not only to him, but to his children. He knew that he would never have custody of them again, but he hoped he would be able to visit them and spend time with them. He hadn't thought of that either before now. Would he even get to spend time with his children? He hoped all of this would not be in vain. Derek fell asleep, thinking that maybe either way, it would be worth it. The consequences of him not leaving his children to come here in the first place may have been more than he would have been able to bear. At least now, he knew his children would be safe, and he hoped that they would respect and look up to him. Maybe in a different way than most kids do their parents, but maybe they would understand when he explained this all to them one day. Derek laid in his bed that night, wondering how he was going to explain all of this to the psychologist, let alone his children. He wanted to be able to explain it in a way that he would be able to show that he was not a monster. He thought about the way he would explain it and the words that he would use. He fell asleep with words like despair, hopelessness, and anger running through his head. Needless to say, it was a very restless night. The next morning he woke up before the sun was even up, but he didn't know because he didn't have a window to base the day upon. He rolled out of bed, feeling sore and agitated. He knew that he would eat breakfast and then spend a few hours with his attorney, who should be by soon. He did a few push-ups and crunches, hoping at least to work out some of the apprehension that he was feeling about the day. He moved patiently through the morning routines and breakfast, anticipating the opportunity to talk to his attorney. His attorney Jason, which he told Derek to call him, arrived just as planned that morning, still acting like he was anxious and in a rush to complete the tasks of the day. They met in a small interview room where they sat across from one another with what felt like an entire sea of metal between them. Derek hadn't anticipated how formal this would feel and how uncomfortable the room would be. He felt nervous just sitting and waiting for the questions to be asked. Jason's demeanor didn't help put him at ease either. In fact, it made him feel more nervous and he hoped that he would be able to answer the questions well. Jason started by asking him basic information about who he was and the basic statistics of his life. He quickly moved on from there, moving toward the incidents that would help him to create a case where Derek's actions could be justified. Derek, tell me about what happened that night, Jason said. Derek told Jason what happened, just as he told the detective before, starting with the argument about the money and how he had held Leslie's head under the water, until she was no longer living. He also explained that he tried to stop when he realized that his actions were killing her. Jason listened intently, taking notes while Derek talked about that night. Jason continued to ask similar questions to what the detective asked about him having any issues in the past, which Derek answered that he didn't. Derek felt glad that he wasn't hooked up to a lie detector at the time because he knew the past incidents in the middle of the night were definitely making his blood pressure rise. Jason then asked Derek to tell him about the way his mother had died. Derek didn't understand how this would relate, but assumed the attorney probably knew what he was talking about, so he told him. I was eight and really not that close with my mother even though I lived with her. I'd been at school, and when I came home, my mother wasn't on the couch like she usually was. So, I went looking for her. I found her in the bathroom, where I yelled at her and shook her. When she didn't respond, I ran across the street to the neighbors to get help. They came, and that was it. My dad quit traveling so much, and I lived with just him, until he got married again. Why do you say that you weren't close to your mother? Well, because she slept all of the time and didn't really provide for me. I kind of raised myself, so I don't really know what she was even there for. I'm sure that caused you a lot of pain. This is something that I may use in the case. The psychologist will probably get more in-depth into a lot of these things, so I won't ask you a lot of stuff twice. Now tell me about your time in Iraq. I don't want the details, but I'm more interested in the basics, like, did you see combat? How did that make you feel? I was in Iraq for over a year. Yes, I saw a lot of combat, and it didn't make me feel very good. I still have trouble being able to sleep and even function because of it. I went many times to the doctors at the VA to get help, but nothing ever worked. That is a shitty place, if you ask me. We take the men and women of our country that go and spend time fighting for freedom, and then we turn around and give them the worst possible health care. Doesn't make a lot of sense. If you are wondering if it screwed me up, yes, it did. Do I blame my time in Iraq for my actions? Yes, I do. That must have been what the attorney was looking for, because his eyes got wider and he was taking notes. He didn't ask many more questions after that. He must have been waiting for the psychologist to report. He told Derek that the psychologist would be by in a couple of days and that he should be prepared to discuss these situations very specifically. He left the room with an anxious smile on his face and Derek didn't know if that was a good sign or not. His only thought was that the attorney better be careful what kind of smiles he was showing here in jail. With that kind of anxiousness and that kind of smile, he might get himself into some unwanted situations. Derek went back to the small cell that he was now alone in. His cellmate had been transferred. He knew that he would probably be getting a roommate soon, but for tonight he was all alone. He used to enjoy having time to himself, but it seemed that was all that he got these days, and he would really like some company. He felt the same way he felt when he had been four years old living with his mother. He remembered laying in his bed one night and thinking to himself that he really wished he had a friend, and that he wished he wasn't alone. The next day, he took a sock out of his drawer and went outside to fill it with dirt. He used the shoelace out of his black shoes that were too small for him anyway. He tied the shoelace around the bottom of the sock after he had filled it with dirt. He found a pen in the kitchen and colored eyes and a mouth on the sock. He thought maybe if he made it himself, his mother wouldn't think it was so bad, and maybe he would be able to keep it. But just in case, he always hid it when mother came around. He called this one stretch. He thought it was funny, and represented what the sock did when he filled it with dirt. He played with the sock for days, hiding it as his mother would wake up to go to the bathroom. He even took it outside to play in the dirt. The sock changed very quickly from white to a dirty brown color that made it hard for him to see the eyes, so he took a chance and put it in the sink. The dirt quickly turned to mud inside the sock and made it even dirtier, but Mom had woken up and Derek didn't have any choice but to hide the sock so he quickly put it under his pillow as she came back to talk to him. That night, when he came to bed, the sock had left behind a dark mud spot on his pillow and blanket and had turned hard. He tried to hold it like he had in the past, but it just hurt, and he cried. The next day, he threw away the sock, thinking that he would never be able to have a friend, even if he made one himself. He just couldn't have anything good. He must not be worth it. Derek laid in the old cot of the gel, thinking that the pillow below his head was hard, It felt kind of like that dried mud in the sock that he had. He wished that he knew then what he knew now, and he would have never washed the sock. He probably wouldn't have filled it with dirt either, but when you are four years old and haven't been taught anything, sometimes you have to learn on your own. Derek felt like he was learning on his own now. He also wondered how he ever turned out as good as he did with all the hardship in the past. He also wondered how Leslie had been able to break his barrier and stay in his life. He felt so lucky for even the time he had with her. Tune in next time as we continue 21 Steps.